tell them the same thing as if I was having gumbo with any listener out there. Exactly. Exactly. And this is, this is a great way to start the podcast. So um, we are here. We've got two guests with us today, which is very exciting. Um, I am outnumbered because I'm the only East Coast person right now. So I know. Yay. <laughs> let's, let's, um, let's kick it off. I'll let y'all introduce yourself. Um, you know, let us know who you are, where you're from, a little bit about you. Um, and then we'll get rolling with the season's episode. So go ahead. Take it away. Sure. Ladies first, or do you want me to go so you're not nervous, Gabby? You got you got it, Nico. <laughs> All right. So my name is Nico Panayotakopoulos from here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I'm the Greek dance director uh, for the program here at Holy Trinity Cathedral in Phoenix. Um, born and raised here in Phoenix. All the grandparents from Peloponiso. Uh, dad, born and raised in Greece. Uh, mom's parents in Greece, and they moved here when she was born in New York. Um, and yeah, I've been dancing since my mom was the director before I was born and, uh, teaching for 12 years now. And, uh, just loving keeping this all going here in the community. I love it. Um, and my name is Gabriela Papadimas. Um, also born and raised here. Fun fact, Nico is my godbrother. So therefore his mom is my nuna. Um, first generation American. So family roots uh, strongly in Ipiro and Peloponeso. And very similar sort of Nico's um, been, except the director part, um, have been dancing for, I think since we were what, four or five years old, like technically in the Little Lambs, that fun little festival group parading around to Catos uh, um fun throwback there, and then um, have been teaching for, I want to say it's been more than 12 years, Nico. I want to say we've been doing it for like 15 years because we've been taking our kids for 12 years to FDF. So um, nonetheless, been doing that and haven't really stopped since. I don't think I know how to stop. <laughs> no, it's a, it's definitely something that once, once you start, you pretty much don't stop. Yeah. Maybe you'll take a break for a little while, but <laughs> as you start learning, there's more and more to learn and you get more into it. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. So tell us, you guys, how uh, how did things start there in Arizona? What uh, I guess what maybe what got you guys involved uh, in Greek dance? Uh, maybe give us a little background uh, if you want. Uh, yeah, I probably, I actually just had a conversation with my mom about this not too long ago. So the, the Greek dance program here in Phoenix just celebrated, I believe it was its, uh, what was it? 50th anniversary last year at our festival, uh, in terms of when, when Greek dance was actually here. So, uh, me and Gabriela actually have a pretty similar way of getting into it. So 30 some years ago, my mom was a dance program director and Gabriela's mom was the costume director. Uh, so we were the little kids stuck there all day after dance practice to the late hours of the night, getting everything together. Um, while our moms were getting ready for FDF when we were too little to walk. Uh, and then we were the annoying little kids watching the big kids dance and everything like that. Uh, in terms of the program, uh, there was actually a, a group of Yayadas now that really got the program started and, and took the first group to FDF. I believe it was in 80. I'm just like 82 or 84, like in the early days of FDF, uh, Phoenix got out there pretty early with a group of Yadas, um, doing some of the old school, very heavily choreographed kind of stuff that you always hear everyone talk about back in the day. Um, 
and and Phoenix wasn't going every year yet. It was only every couple of years. Uh, but we were performing at our festival that just celebrated its 60th anniversary at the festival. We've had dancers for, like I said, just 50. Um, so a couple of years ago, we had every ex-dance director, instructor, helper come and perform at the festival, which was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what got started. Group of Yayabes, who's who taught my mom until my mom took over. My mom took over and taught all mine and Gabriela's teachers. Obviously, they took over and started directing us. Now we took over. We're directing all their kids. And it's just kind of been multi-generational, which has been really, really cool to see. I feel like also, though, like the nice thing about having like our mom so involved is it added this extra layer of connection and support because so many people who are, are you can't really talk to your like sunny friends about it, right? Like, yeah, I'm like going to Greek dance or I have like Greek dance on Wednesday night. They're like, what? Like, what, what do you mean competitive Greek dance or what do you mean you're like, they would come to the festival, but you know, FDF, HGF, whole nother world for them. And so it was so nice having parents that were so heavily involved. I mean, even our dads knew because they were like, you know, on the other side with our moms, like helping out wherever they needed to. And so being so involved in it, whenever we had long days, they get it like, oh, you've got Greek dance tonight or, oh, FDF's coming up. It's normal for you to be at Nico's house every single day for like a month long span because you guys are prepping. So it's just this like extra layer of support that some people do get, but I don't think everyone does get, which I think really um, made this experience even that much better getting to go through it and then them seeing us do it too. I feel like that's a theme that's come up in almost every episode is the mom, right? And that like mom connection to the point where um, one of our guests in, I think he must've been in season one, um, has written like, he's writing a book about this and a huge chapter, a huge part of the book is all about the involvement of of, like the mom figure, if you will, in Mm -hmm. Greek dance. And it it's so interesting because we've talked to people from everywhere and there's at least some connection of someone's mom who was, you know, carrying this on, you know, or like the person who just kept it going um, and kind of like passed the torch from like mom group to mom group, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also kind of, it's funny how you both describe stuff and, you know, growing up on the opposite side of the country, like my life was exactly the same. Like, doesn't matter if you're at church until two o'clock in the morning, because you're at church with your Greek dance friends, like what trouble can you get into? We totally got into a lot of trouble, but it was, <laughs> didn't matter. Cause we were at church with our Greek dance friends. Like, okay, cool. You know, it's so, it's just so interesting to me that everyone has kind of had the same experience, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's fun to see how much it evolves too. And I'm sure you guys on the East coast, obviously HDF has become, we just attended it for our second year. Um, we came last year for our first time and, and absolutely loved it, but obviously it started a couple of years after FDF. So as mm. we talked to East coast friends, some of them either hadn't experienced it or didn't experience it till just a couple of years ago. Um, or for us, I mean, my old, I was the little kid in a stroller at FDF when my older brother was competing. Uh, now both my brothers were too cool and quit come high school. Um, because, Greek dancing is, wasn't cool to them and I'm still 31 years old and, and not giving it up anytime soon, but, uh, just seeing how much it's evolved and how much it's like the culture has really come back. Like there's a point that FDF and HDF are both the biggest they've ever been like the, the being proud of the Greek culture and spreading it and people wanting to come back and teach. Like it is a, a cool thing to do. Even the, the y'alls and a HEPAs and Santa mm-hmm. Pericles, like there's so many people in, 
in America right now, there's, there's Greek events like every single weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even some of those other events where dancing isn't the main thing, main part of it, people that didn't used to Greek dance or didn't know about it are seeing it and then wanting to learn how to Greek dance and wanting to get into HDFs and FDFs and go to the workshops and, and it's just kind of taken like a new hold on it and kind of gotten everyone really excited and spreading kind of more than it was I feel like when I was younger. Absolutely. I think it's also, it helps us reconnect not only with our roots, like regardless if it's like Greek dancing or just like a Greek weekend, right? It's not only helping you reconnect to your roots, but it's also a way of sharing like the beauty of our heritage with others. Because you come back from a weekend in New York, let's say like hanging out with the Greeks or like what we were just at a couple of weekends ago with Anixi and all your friends or your coworkers. So where were you? What were you doing? And you're just like talking with such a passion, like, oh my gosh, let me fill you in on everything we just did. We are sharing that our a piece of our heritage, like even just like a little bit of it with everybody. Um, and honestly, I think it like carries all the way down to like the essence of our, like our rich history and culture and our traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And one, one more tiny thing to add is also it's, Obviously, the Greek community is so large, but there are a lot of people that are now second, third, fourth, fifth generation in America. Um, we were both lucky enough to have, I mean, Greek households we were raised in. Greek was my first language. I didn't learn English until I went to preschool. Um, and obviously, it helps a lot with learning songs and getting into Greek dance, some of that stuff. But we do have a couple friends now and and kids we've been teaching for years that grew up in a as a second, third, fourth generation uh, Greek that either didn't learn how to speak Greek, like didn't really have a lot of the culture growing up. Church is really their first dose of it. And then they fell in love with Greek dance, which really got them into it. And now me and Gabby are sitting there dragging them along to Buzukia and, and <laughs> concerts. And, and, and it's great because, I mean, the first 20 years of their life, like, yeah, they would go to church every Sunday and that was it. Like, that was their only dose, that two hours of Greek, that was their only dose of, of the Greek mm-hmm. culture. And, and really on top of just spreading it to I mean, our, our coworkers and friends and my high school friends have come to every festival since I met them. The, the second or fourth generations are really getting so much more into the culture and seeing a lot more. So it's been really cool to get to spread that. Um, I mean, we have some adults taking Greek school like classes, trying to learn the language because they didn't get to when they were younger. And mm-hmm. they're so into it now. Like it's, it's kind of revitalizing it a little bit, which has been a lot of fun. I had a question for you guys. It's funny because, Nico, you t- you touched on it just a little bit, uh, two-part, and it was about that, I would say, dip or lull, you know, as we're growing up, there's a lot of friends that were involved in Greek dance, and then they stopped, and whether some of them picked it up again later or some of them went off. I was curious, was that anything that you guys experienced, um, and what was, uh, I guess, your journey in that sense, or, your, yeah, your experience in that sense? Gosh, I can say, and Nico, you might be on the same boat as me. My parents would threat, wouldn't threaten to take away game consoles or television. Like when I was growing up, like the threat for me misbehaving is you're not going to go to Greek school or Greek dance. And that alone was like this testament to like this deep connection I felt to my heritage and just like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to go to Greek dance. Or if you don't have good grades, FDFs out of the table, you're not going to FDF. So I don't think for me personally, and Nico, probably the same for you, was there ever a lull in it? It was always this, it was always cool in my eyes. I mean, I remember our first FDF was in 2001 in Pasadena, if I remember correctly. And 
was it? Yeah. I was like, it was, um, our group name was Haravi or they called it Haravai when we did place that year. We were a small <laughs> spirited bunch. Um, I think it was six boys and two girls. And I wish I can actually go back not to like relive it, but to see myself living it because mm. I just was sitting on the ground looking. I think I was actually um, with like all of our little group. We were looking up at the stage and I just still remember watching them being like, that's going to be me. I'm that's going to be me one day. I want to be that dancer on stage um, or that adult dancer. I want to be that director. And fast forward to, you know, 2012, Nico and I are taking our first group. Um, we were trying to figure out if it was a Tromitirpirka. Yeah, was, we've gone through so many names, but we took our first group. And I mean, it's it's just been nonstop ever since. The, the journey hasn't stopped. Um, and I don't think it will anytime soon, if I'm being fair. I mean, you revolve everything around your Greek dance schedule as much as you can or anything involved with like showing the kids the culture and such. So that's at least for me. Yeah, mine, I mean, I I can't say I have a lull. So mine was kind of funny because, I mean, I was a guy. So dancing as a guy <laughs> at some point wasn't cool. But I always still found I it kind of, um, I remember I finally had my turning point probably senior year. Because when we were younger, like mom forced us to. When she was in charge of the program, you're coming to Greek dance. You cannot miss to watch football. Like, you're going. Um and uh, there's just a quick turning point junior senior year that all of a sudden it was really something to be proud of and something that was really cool i remember showing up senior year to the girls volleyball like state championships and it was the night of our festival dress rehearsal and thank god the girls volleyball colors were blue and i was in a full blue cretan costume and <laughs> to, the, to lead the cheering section i'm sitting on the top of the bleachers in a full cretan costume uh cheering for the girls volleyball team because i couldn't miss dress rehearsal I need photos uh, of this. <laughs> and, all right. I, that I should have. be your photo for like the Instagram blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to like call my high school because uh, the men's volleyball coach and girls volleyball coach was the same uh, coach and I played volleyball as well. So he middle of the game saw me and literally stopped what he was doing, just started like clapping and just cracking up because he knew what we did. My other brothers, he comes to festival every year. So he, he loved it, but I just remember that was my first time. Like I showed up in a Greek dance costume to school in front of a couple hundred, who knows, thousand people watching the state championship volleyball game. Um, and then our senior year of high school was, or actually, I guess it was our freshman year of college was our last year dancing uh, before our like college young adult group died. Uh, and that very next year, we didn't want to give it up. So we came back as teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I actually went through a point right after college. My job made me travel a lot. And for two years, I was living in Oklahoma City uh, and was spending all my per diem on flights home every other weekend to be at dance practice. Um, and while I was in Oklahoma City, actually, the day I drove in Oklahoma City was the day of the Greek festival in Oklahoma City. And so I showed up and immediately met the priest and made some friends, which was great. Uh, but I immediately started like meeting all them, got to watch them dance, got to like help teach them a little bit, spread some more music, some things like that. Uh, so yeah, for me, even traveling for work to Oklahoma, uh, didn't stop me from <laughs> teaching Greek dance. Uh, we do see a lot with our kids and we love how many of them come back. We have one that's in the middle of law school and won't give it up. So just started teaching. Uh, we had one that just went out of town for college, kind of lost it for a couple of years. She mm-hmm. just moved in the first weekend I saw her, she said, how do I start teaching? I want to teach. Um, so we do see it in some of the kids and, and that's all we can ask for is we're trying to help raise these kids. We've been teaching them since they were third and fourth graders. And she just graduated college, moved home and said, how do I get involved? 
first question back. So that's all we can hope for when, when we're teaching these kids as they grow up. That's definitely one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. Uh, so I can relate, you know, having, you know, your dancers from itty bitties grow up and, and actually take charge and want to be a part of the program and want to learn more and, and watch them almost kind of go what you did, go through what you did and, you know, what, what, that knowledge so much more and have that big, that zest, uh, yeah. zest for it. Yeah. I was going to say the, the first one of our dancers that came back and wanted to teach is the one that's in law school and she's teaching my seven-year-old niece and her first year dance. So it's <laughs> a big multi-generational thing I mentioned earlier. We found a picture a while back that we love of my mom when she was a teacher teaching a group of girls. They were our teachers we taught their kids and now she's back teaching my niece. So it's already like boom, four generations in the past 30, 40 years. That, that really is cool. (laughs) Honestly, it's like really a beautiful legacy if you think about it, because it's like, it's past like our own achievements as instructors, but it's just like building it more and more and more. As Nico said, like 50 years of our dance program and getting to see it and just like, I mean, I'm excited for the years to come. Right. I mean, we're eventually going to get old and whatnot, but like, just even like the thought of the kids that we're teaching now and their children and their children's children, just continuing the legacy in a sense is really what kind of brings it all together at the end of the day. Yeah. I think it's so good too to like have a balance. Like you joke about, you know, showing up to the girls volleyball championship, like in your costume. Right. But we all have those experiences and, you know, sometimes growing up, you would hear about instructors who were like so cutthroat or maybe nowadays you hear it with like high school sports, like you, you can't do anything else. Like this is it. And I, in some ways I can understand that if somebody is so dedicated to something and maybe that's like, you know, they want to play college ball or like whatever, I get it. But the way you keep people and the way you, you nurture that legacy and the generationalism is to have that balance to say like, yeah, you can come back and we're going to totally accept you back when you're ready. Like we know people step away or like you, you know, you can do this. Like, it's okay if you have to miss something because of, of something, you know, obviously it's a little bit different when you are rehearsing and stuff like that. I'm sure for FDF, but like, I definitely remember my senior prom, I went to church to go take pictures with like all my American friends in my prom dress. And it was festival weekend. Cause I was like missing, you know, part of the festival. And I have pictures of like my dance friends in their costumes and me with like my girlfriends and our dates were like, God, the guys were like, what the shit is this? Um, <laughs> you know, at the festival taking pictures. Cause it was like, that was the balance that you need. So it's, it's so important because if you don't have that, you just put up like your, this legacy, I don't think would continue. You know, I think you see that in dance groups where you don't see a lot of the generationalism of the people taking over and stuff like that where it's sort of like one person who's still doing it, you know, for the past 50 years, it's because there's not that balance, you know, it's like, Oh, you, you take one season off and you can't come back. Like, no, that's, that's not how the world works. You know, um, how was it for you guys? Two part question, similar to Nico and Gabby, you kind of touched on this a little bit. One going to FDF at such a young age, I can't even imagine, like, I, I can't imagine that. But now also bringing your your kids to FDF, like, how is that? Because for me, I'd be like, you all need leashes. I'm going to lose one of you. <laughs> like, No, it's it's scary. One, the world, sadly, is just in a different place than it was 20 years ago, um, sure. which 
I mean, and it's it's still the case. I'd like to think it's still the case that like, okay, you're in a hotel with mostly Greek people and Greek Orthodox people. You should be safe. Sadly, it's not always the case. Mistakes still happen. There's still a bad apple. But um, I, I don't know. It's it's definitely hard because we grew up. I mean, I was eight years old and eight, nine, ten running across this big street in Ontario to the hotel. And <laughs> I, when I was 10 and 12 years old. I was more interested in playing on the basketball court at the hotel than I was at watching Greek dance. But my mom was teaching groups and we, I didn't have a cell phone yet when I was 12 years old. And so we just like, hey make sure you're here by four o'clock to watch your brother dance. Bye. And, uh, <laughs> thank God it all turned out. I don't think I got in too much trouble at that age, but, uh, no, it's, it's definitely nerve wracking now. I mean, we, we started teaching a group of, I believe it was second and third graders. Uh, and I know some parishes do it differently and, and certain directors are, you teach this age group, you're the high school teacher and whatever kids cycle through. We at Holy Trinity, uh, kind of assign a director to a group and you kind of grow with them, which, yeah. which really, like you get to know your kids, they get to know you, you get to know their parents and really build some trust there. But uh, the the cool thing about that is we started with them as second and third graders and we just lost them last year as they were all officially in college and split throughout the country. So the, the group kind of faded. But uh, it, when they were seven and eight years old and we're ushering them holding hands from dance practice to the buffet and then not leaving a kid until the last parent came to pick them up after lunch and and then like that was its own whole thing. And one kid goes to the bathroom and you're mm-hmm. waiting out the bathroom because you're just so worried. And then like when I was nine, I was going to the bathroom, mm-hmm. but like, it's my responsibility. It's crazy. And then they turn 16, 17. Now you're worried about them, like going off with friends or going off and drinking come 18, 19 years old. And I mean, we, we've been through the ringer and getting phone calls and trying to find a parent. Hey, their curfew is 12. We haven't seen our kid. Do you see him at the Glendy? And, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard, especially having been through it ourselves, um, mm. being the eight year old running across to play basketball by myself and then being the 19, 20 year old trying to make friends and but it's definitely nerve wracking and it's hard, but we went through it ourselves. So, I mean, we want the kids to have fun. We don't want to be sitting there looking over their shoulders because like mm. then they, their director or their older brother right now, my niece, like I don't want her to think, oh, if the only watching me, I can't have fun with my friends, mm-hmm. but her dance in the Glendy was amazing. And my brother was more comfortable knowing I was there in line with her. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. it's, it's got some ups and downs because I mean, we experienced it and we had so much fun, but we obviously want everyone to be safe and, and be good. I don't know, it's, it's tough. It was a tough balance. I think as a kid, you don't realize the work that's put into it. And when you become an instructor, you do. And the reason I bring that up is this FDF, um, or maybe it was last FDF, uh, one of the our dancer that's in the in the law program, even like one of our two of our dancers are um our instructors, they came up to I think both me and Nico either together or at different points, just being like, we didn't realize how much work it is. Like, not in the sense of like complaining, but just like, mm-hmm. thank you so much for all you guys did. Cause like obviously as you're growing through it, like you don't really think to like thank your dance instructor, right? You don't think really to do any of that. You're like, oh, cool, thanks. Like your mom said to say thanks and you run off. Um, and I mean, even as a little kid myself, I never really sat there and thanked my dance instructor saying, thank you for teaching me. It's, it's more than just like in those moments, right? Like you're researching, you're doing all this extra work that nobody sees. It's all behind closed doors, like late nights. And then you present something to the, the kids. And so kind of going, growing through that. And then this year and last year, having some of our dancers who are now instructors saying, I did not realize how much work you guys put into this. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Like that right there in itself was 
worth oh, yeah. every minute. Yeah, absolutely. And just like, I mean, I'm an emotional person. You can ask Nico. I, I, it, the kids go on stage and the joke is like, make Gabby cry. Um, and I do every single year. They make me so proud. Like I'm sitting there like bawling my eyes out before I'm about to go perform. Um, but this year specifically, and even last year, I would say like watching some of our dancers directing and seeing them crying, watching their kids and just like the pride that they had. I got emotional seeing it because they grew into, I mean, they were always like great kids. Right. But they have grown into such like responsible young adults. And I'm like, I remember when you were like seven years old running around, like just doing whatever. And now you're, you're in charge of these children. (laughs) Um, And that gets me emotional thinking about too. Yeah. I feel like one thing I've seen at HDF is just what you described, like instructors or directors having so much pride in seeing their groups on the stage and less of that, like, and I, I haven't seen every director, but you don't see like them like being like, oh, damn it. You know, like, you, oh, miss that step or whatever. Like they might, you can tell that they're watching because they really want them to just do the best job. But people are so joyful seeing their kids up there. And I'm like, well, dang, like that has to be a component of a great director is that like intrinsic, that self feeling of just absolute joy seeing, you know, all the hard work that the kids have done, regardless of what the outcome is, you know what I mean? And obviously people want to win, like that it's a competition, right? That's a draw. Um, but it's just really beautiful seeing people backstage because that emotion just pours out of them. You know, um, I think it's like a really intimate thing that you don't get to see, like, you don't see that at a festival necessarily. You know what I mean? It's, it's very different. Yeah. There's something yeah. different about, sorry, go ahead, Nico. Oh, no, go, go for it. I was gonna say, there's something different about being backstage, all holding hands in a circle with the priest and mm-hmm. saying a prayer and just like having that moment of just silence, right? The weekend's crazy. It's going, you're running around, you're doing everything. And just having those one to two minutes of just quiet praying and just holding each other's hands. It's exactly what you described, Maria. Mm-hmm. Just that that's it. It's, it's right there for the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And all I was going to say is there's, there's definitely another big balance there as well. And you, you kind of mentioned it earlier with uh, balance in real life. I mean, we all have jobs, we're all in school, we're all doing whatever. Uh, but I mean, it is a competition and that's probably one of the hardest things that's been to balance is a lot of the people, when you put in this much time and this much money, I mean, these aren't cheap weekends, HDF and FDF. There's a family of five going, that's five plane tickets, five registrations from three to 400 bucks, depending what it is at a hotel room, maybe even two, if your family's big enough, mm-hmm. like it's, it's not a cheap weekend. And then plus whatever costumes you're putting in, plus all the time commitments, mom and dad leaving whatever work early to get the kids to practice. Like there is an aspect of it that you want to be fair and respectful of everybody's time that you do want to do well. Um, and, and everyone wants to succeed. And then there is that one kid that has a basketball game or basketball practice and, um, sorry. There's that kid that has a basketball practice. I mean, I was a, I was this athlete and had to miss dance every once in a while for it. So you want to be understanding of them as well. But then it's just a matter of being there. You see how excited the kids get when they win. You still get to dis- how disappointed they get when they lose. But then like, we are all here. The church brought us together. We're all here spreading our culture. When our kids come off stage with smiles, that means so much more to us than when they get that medal. And then probably even to another level. when I see our kids now, teaching their kids or in the Glendy by themselves, dancing the dances that we taught them that made them confident enough. And I mean, skilled enough to know even what, what song, what dances on be out there enjoying it with their friends almost means so much more in the competition itself. Now the 
is really what breeds our progress, I guess. Uh, we wouldn't go to as many workshops. We probably wouldn't uh, spend as much. Mo- we would probably wouldn't fundraise as much and spend money on new costumes and bring out musicians from Greece and bring out people to teach us things. The amount of judges and stuff we brought out. If it wasn't a competition, you might not do that. So we might not have advanced as much. So it's really cool that it's a competition. But like you said, it is a really big balance there. And and I mean, for me, I have more fun sitting on the sidelines and watching my kids dance <laughs> than than almost being up there and dancing myself. So mm-hmm. there there's such a big balance there that that is a fun line to pat to cross, I guess. And and we always talk with our kids. Like the most important thing is just to go up there, be so proud of what you put on stage. There's been times we haven't won, but we had people coming up to us afterwards in a year suite was one of the more memorable ones we saw all day. And like, to me, that's, that's cooler than the metal itself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely going to have uh, the pros and cons to it. And we've talked about this before and it's been on some of the other podcasts too, that you're going to have the good and the bad with whatever it is, but you really just have to focus on the good. And realistically, if it, the pros didn't outweigh these cons it wouldn't be progressing it wouldn't be moving on you know so obviously we're doing something right (laughs) yeah absolutely um we've never asked this question before but i'm feeling like i don't know it just popped into my head you guys are like a little our little guinea pigs um no i'm just kidding what's your least favorite part of fdf hdf or that experience not necessarily the event but the experience that's a really hard question. I know it just popped into my brain. I'm on like two hours of sleep. So this is how these things come up. I think everyone probably kind of agrees on some of it. And I think there is a, a little sense of, I don't know what the right word is, elitism and politics to it. Um, there's a point that to me, I just, I want to go and have fun. I want to go and meet new people. I want to go and enjoy the music. Like there's nothing more than some people make fun of me, but like right when that live music turns on, boom, they click that guy that like, I just kind of get the chills and I just get so excited. And like dancing, the Glendy is like, I know some people are too cool and go and sit at the bar all day and they aren't in the Glendy dancing to me. It's just a waste. Like I've got bars at home, um, but I can only dance this live music like a couple of times a year. Um, but there's just that level of people taking it not too seriously. Cause like we said, it's a big time and money commitment, but like, don't forget why we're here. Like we are here for the kids. We are here to spread the culture. We are here because the church brought us together, like, and, and live in the moment, enjoy the weekend. Like, don't worry too much about, man, I got second, not first darn. Now I'm going to let it ruin my night. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, kind of that attitude is probably the worst thing. Um, it's, it's such a good weekend. And some of those people that are competitive are some of the ones that bring us all the research and, and push us to be better. So I don't want to complain about them too much, but um, when it when it ruins the Glendy because people don't want to go down or ruins the Glendy because people are sitting at the bar because they're just too too proud or too upset. Like just remember why we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would actually have to like definitely like plus one to that one. I mean, you can give the cliche answer of, oh, it ended and that's the worst part. I mean, it's sometimes nice to just get a little bit of a break. I give Nico usually like a one to two week break. And I'm like, all right, are we meeting up to start talking about next year? He's like, Gabby, give me a little bit. <laughs> um, 
But I, I would have to agree with that. Sometimes it's it's heartbreaking to see like, you know, like we, we have in place every year. Right. And I think as I've gotten older, like considering that I'm still even competing, like um, competing at HDF, um, I'll just say I'm like, you know, what? we had a good time. I had so much fun going on stage. We had in place. Cool. Great. Like, let's go to the Glendy. I don't let it affect me, but I'm also a little bit less on the competitive side as an adult now when it comes to like mm. me personally. Kids, different story, but I'm never going to let that affect my mood with it. So like, I want to go and dance with everybody. So that when you see, as Nico said, like less people dancing or like a little bit of like the attitude of it, it's just, it it is a little bit heartbreaking. Like, let's not forget why we came here. Like that high that we had on Friday night's Glendy and, and Saturday night's Glendy, right before like Sunday's award ceremony, like, let's keep that going. We just get, we get this once a year, give or take twice, obviously, if you're going to both HDF and FDF. Like there's no reason to let it affect our moods. And if you want it to, cool. I understand like everybody has Mm -hmm. their own sense of competitiveness, I guess you could say. Once you leave, like let the weekend end, finish it great, and then complain about it, be upset about it, you know, start rewatching your performances, like with a um, fine tooth comb, trying to figure out what was done wrong, what was done right, et cetera. But like, don't, don't let it affect the rest of the weekend. Mm -hmm. Because the weekend doesn't end until you're on that plane or in that car driving home. And I, yeah. I have to agree with uh, what Nico said before about, because uh, I've been through that many times, you know, okay, so you didn't get first or second, but that what means so much more. And as a director to have your kids do well and they feel that they did well and you be so proud of them, you know, it, it, it really makes all the, all that other stuff just fade away. It's just like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Cause a year from now, realistically, even five years from now, nobody's going to remember that part, but you will remember how you performed and that bond you had all together. Absolutely. You don't remember the medals. I mean, you have the medals. Don't get me wrong. They're hanging right here on my door. (laughs) You don't remember, oh, in 2004, I placed this. And in 2007, I'm more so remembering, oh, our second year directing, we had a kid that was so young at two in the morning dancing next to us and having those memories. Or after getting off stage, we're all running to our rooms all together. We would like cram. I don't even know how many of us. It was a tradition. It still is a tradition. One of our um, dance dads would record on his video camera. He would plug it in, you know, even during the Vimeo days, right? But he would still plug it in and we're all compiled either half in our costumes half not or we just quickly changed haven't even showered yet watching the performance and like getting excited about it that's what you remember i don't remember oh that year our group placed this Mm. or our group didn't place yeah that's so important um and i think again that points to what makes a really effective instructor and director right you know because if you i think if you don't have that mindset, you're still effective, but the experience is likely very different, you know? Um, and I feel like it's great to see the kids like tearing it up at the Glendy. Like we, we've recorded an episode. Don't be a D on the dance floor. Um, about, <laughs> right. I mean, One of my favorites. <laughs> there needs to be follow-up to that, but <laughs> kind of about, you know, understanding like the dance giants, let's call them, if you will. And like the respect for people who have really made this their life's craft and and everything like that, all of that aside, and all those people on that podcast even, you know, agreed with this, that it's still beautiful just to see people like young kids out there tearing it up, you know? Um, It's just, I don't know. I think that's, that's the whole goal. That's the outcome that you want from this, you know? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, 
this is all important, but I am also one of the more competitive guys you ever meet in your life. And I do get upset if I don't win. And I think I deserved it, especially when I'm dancing with my kids. It's, it's a little different. You want to be sympathetic, but I mean, there's also that, that fine line too, of where you can go and just completely have fun and not care. But like, we also work really hard and I'll go throw on a costume myself and go dance somewhere as a fundraiser. So we can buy those new costumes. So we can afford it. We just saw each other on Ixy two weeks ago. Like we went there to better our community and to learn more dances to, I mean, for the spreading of the culture as well, like I don't know anything about Island going there and learning some of those Island dance from Marisula, like was awesome. Like that's one we grew up doing a lot of Thracian. I personally love like Podiaca and went to a workshop with Nico Zunatsidis. And that's what really got me into, oh my gosh, now I need to get into village research and like meeting some of these guys got me so into it. And that's where some of the competition comes in where what we're going to be understanding about letting the kids miss for a basketball practice here and there and be understanding on, on stage and want to just be proud of it. We are also still working really hard and know a lot of the kids work really hard. They show up at practice and all of a sudden know a solo that they didn't know last week and know the songs. And we still have such high expectations. There's just like that, like fine way of how do we find a way to be competitive, still go to the workshops, learn what we're doing, fly out judges and researchers to learn more and more. We're doing it all correctly with also kind of adding in that whole aspect of just pride in what you do, but let's do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we still, we still work really hard to try and make sure it's it's right and that we improve and that we get better every single year while still being understanding. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you guys going to Lagografia? No, we're not. I remember we were talking about this at HDF. We we talked about going um, and we were actually like ready to to go over there just because it was like another, I mean, you you talked about it so highly, just like mm-hmm. how amazing it is and how much you learn and yeah. their instructors came out. We're like, oh, this is gonna be amazing. But we are going with like all of our, some of our dancers actually in our parea um, from our Greek dance group to Economopoulos uh, in LA actually that weekend. Fun. So. Yeah. yeah. Good time. Yeah, I yeah. do want to make Laografia though. I have heard such amazing things about it and I do really want to do that next year yeah it's definitely a they 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 have an excellent program and they always bring great instructors Mm -hmm. and the organization is fantastic and then of course the the gala at the end you know the last day of the big glendy it's just it's just such a wonderful time and Mm -hmm. yeah marie and i have both been to it and that's actually where we reconnected uh, years Mm -hmm. ago (laughs) yep yep i remember being like what um, it was like perfect timing too, um, for that. That's where I met Mitzis as well. Um, All right, so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, another off the beat question. Cause I feel like people might ask about this. What has been your most effective fundraiser for FTF HDF? Like what brings in the money? Um, I feel like it's kind of been different over many different years. Um, I remember 20 some years ago when my mom was running it, we used to run a big like seize candy fundraiser that you could buy literally thousands of chocolate bars. It's such like a major discount, especially when they know it's for a fundraiser for a church. And that one was each parent or family or kid would kind of do it on their own. And then that could help raise money towards their costumes or registration, whatever. And I mean, you used to be able to, buy like a box of chocolate bars for a buck and then sell them for a buck a piece. And if you worked hard, you could really make a lot of money. Um, 
the other things that have been pretty successful for us, we've actually had like a big church garage sale a couple of times. We had a lot of people donate just items they want to get rid of and have kind of been too lazy to do it on their own. And basically they donated into the dance program and we set up and manned a giant weekend long garage sale and made a couple thousand dollars and Dang. all the were the ones running it but i mean people are giving leftover dining room sets and clothes and furniture and um yeah that's been really successful for us and actually we've just started getting more into it the last couple of years like performing places for donations and mm. uh we've gotten a couple a couple things there's there's actually a big the men the musical instrument museum or a really cool museum here in and phoenix that has instruments from just all over the world all throughout history and they actually have a pretty decent Greek section and then mm. a Bulgarian and Turkish section that have a little bit more some of the Thracian and Podiaka type stuff. Um, and and they are, they've been donating money to the dance program to have us perform at special events and things like that. And I mean, in a, a little hour long performance, we can make a couple hundred bucks and you mm. schedule a couple of a month. And, and that's how we've been able to kind of fundraise for our costumes, some of that. And then, of course, we got the festival, which is like a little bit as well, um, which yeah. is still in a sense, um, I would say a fundraiser in itself. I think it's not what you're doing, but like, as long as you have the people that are interested in doing it, right. Like Mm -hmm. as Nico said, we've done a little bit of everything. I mean, we did the Christmas, Christmas wreath sales, um, a while back. Um, so it's just like, as long as you have people that are, yes, let's do this, let's fundraise. And of course, some, some things that we do at the church, you're going to, I think have success. Mm -hmm. Um, depending on how you do it. And as long as you have that commitment to it. Yeah. That's so awesome. Those are really great ideas. I, you know, I don't know if most groups fundraise, but I was talking to somebody who um, was at like an, a church auction the other weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's all, I think most of it, if not all of it goes to, you know, take their group to FTF. And I'm like, what a freaking great idea. Like, you know, people donate experiences and all this kind of stuff and golly, you could raise a lot of money really quickly, you know? Yeah, I guess I didn't mention just like a Glendy. We had a Glendy. We had it right before COVID and then COVID struck and then we took a year or two off and we're due for it this year. But yeah, we had a big Glendy. We had a family in the restaurant and catering business that was able to give us a pretty good discount. We just held it at the church. The whole dance program, including all the kids, were in charge of setting up and making all the decorations, doing everything. We put it on for really cheap, sold tickets at a a decent price, something that's still affordable for the family, but that makes us a little something. And then had everyone in the dance program try and secure a, a, a gift or raffle prize or auction item of some sort. And yeah, we got a couple, a couple good auction items, a couple good raffle items and yeah, made a couple grand in the night, but having 50 people willing to help, um, you know, family cook for cheap, everyone out, make the decorations themselves. I mean, where I would have put on this entire event for like a thousand total bucks in capital and then sell the tickets for 50 bucks a piece, which mm-hmm. I mean, in all reality, we've made a, a decent little chunk of money. So <laughs> we're, yeah. we're a couple of years off over COVID, but one of the big things we always try and do with our fundraisers is we try not to tax. Like we, we keep trying to find fundraisers that don't tax the community necessarily. Um, obviously something like a Glendy is still a great night out. It's probably more fun than they'd have anywhere else. And 50 bucks is something super affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Philoptochos has fundraisers. We have fundraisers. Greek school has fundraisers. Sunday school has fundraisers. The church itself has fundraisers. It's like, we don't want to just keep asking people in our community for money. So we really try and do as much outreach as we can have people. One, it spreads. Everyone in the church already knows what Greek dance. <laughs> they already know what the Greek Orthodox faith is and the Greek culture is. So we try and do as much outreach as we can while, while making the money as well. 
Yeah. That's awesome. And I feel like that's really good to be sensitive to that because it's like you go to church and you get like tackled with like four trays after church or, and then like, here we go. Yeah. Like, Listed as a now that I'm working, and it's like, okay, now if you close is doing this, okay, gotta give them 50 bucks. And okay, now we're going to the Sunday school performance. Oh, there goes another 50 bucks. But yeah. it's all going to amazing places. I'd rather give it there than at the house. But come the end of the month, all of a sudden I'm down like a thousand bucks. What just happened? Let me tell you, you can't say no to Philoctochus because they're lovely little old ladies and younger ladies but mostly little old ladies who do such good stuff for the church you say no to them it's like bad karma you exactly. can't do it yeah just made a kulurakia but they're selling kulurakia you still have to have their kulurakia as well you can't just say no absolutely <laughs> and then, those bake sales absolutely absolutely and then yeah yeah has to know that hers are still the best absolutely yeah. i bought them just to try them That's yours the are the best <laughs> ain't that the I truth i love that i love that um yeah so maybe let's switch uh, gears here a little bit because this is kind of one of the uh, common questions we we ask. What is your guys's, or what would you say is your favorite area, and and why, or what brought you to that? So let's let's go with that. <laughs> Gabby's chuckling. <laughs> I love this question because I've like had to explain my why so many times very recently. Um. That's why. Um, I mean, I'll start. I'll I'll kick it off. And th- this is like area of Greek dance, right? Like what, like the actual yeah. dance itself, or just like, are we going to visit Elada? Because that's a different answer. <laughs> oh no, no, related to Greek dance, yes. <laughs> okay, so I feel like mine changes sometimes, but the one that's kind of stayed across the board. Um, I'm going to go the basic answer, Crete. And I think my reasoning behind it, though, is. That first year of FDF, when I saw the dancers dancing on stage, it was seeing the poise the women had dancing. And that just lit this spark in me of that's that's who I wanted to be. And so I always had this passion for how poised and proper they are when they dance and like how quickly their feet are moving. But like so daintily, that's what really at that moment, like became something that I loved and I got very lucky because we never did Cretan with with our kids that Nico and I instructed. But then um, I had to go help uh, one of our other uh, instructors and they were doing Cretan. I was like, yes, finally, like it's my chance <laughs> to do it with kids at FGF. I got so excited about it. Um, but I would have to say that um, just because of that poise and ever since I was little, I always just loved watching it and just learning as many little figuras as I could. Um, I know it's very boy heavy naturally, but I mean... The women that go that dance up there, they're just, I mean, they're badass. I don't know if, they, if you have to edit that word out or not. But yeah, we, we can guess. Don't, they're don't they're pretty great. <laughs> and then uh, my favorite, it's always been Podiaca. Um, I know Gabby's not nodding her head. She knew I was going to say it. So it's funny. Actually, our very first year ever going to FDF when we were eight, we did Podiaca. And growing up, I was a, my mom always described me as a very robotic dancer. She would, she could like yeah. zoom in on. They said, hear me counting like one, two, three, four. Like <laughs> I was on beat, but I was so in my own head. I hadn't realized like how to let the music flow through me yet. Mm. I'm sitting then line, like staring straight down my feet, but like <laughs> you bet your ass, I got my steps right. Um, and then I finally figured out how to how to do it right. But uh she she always tells me like the turning point, all of a sudden FDF on stage, eight years old, and we're out there doing like Gotsari. And my head, my eyes were closed. My head was just like bouncing around. And it was the first time she ever didn't see me like 
counting out my steps. Um, and then stuff started getting a little bit better from there. But so I always love what the but our teacher would never teach us Pontic. Um, we grew up doing a lot of Thracians and Macedonian type stuff. Um, and then our very first workshop Gabby and I ever attended actually was uh, Nico Zunatidis and Nico Savidis up in Downey uh, came out to do a Pontic workshop. And it was my first time. I think that was that our first year directing Gabby or right before our first year. That was our first year taking our kids to FDF because we were directing before that, but that was our first FDF year. Yeah. So our first year going, we taught our kids what we knew, which was like Thracian, because that's what our teacher taught us for 10 straight years. We were comfortable enough with it. We had a lot of good material. And when it came to Pontic, I only knew like the five dances. I didn't even know about the different villages, didn't know much about anything. And I went to an amazing workshop and all of a sudden was like, okay, now I'm going to get down to the nitty gritty, start doing my own research, find all these. We flew out a judge. I went, I was e- uh, emailing and Facebook messaging and vibrating with Nico's CDs in Greece. <laughs> that, that one got me really into <laughs> directing, like learning how deep you can get and oh, on this village versus that village, they do this differently. And I bought his like hundred dollar collection of DVDs and have mm-hmm. watched every single one of those. And, and once I did that, then we started teaching our kids for five straight years, but that guy at FDF and, and I, one, just know it so well uh, now because of that, that's probably like the hardest research I ever did right when I got started. Um, and then just have always enjoyed dancing at those, those late night Glendies two in the morning and that, that, that really starts bumping and that lead us going through you. Uh, it doesn't get much more fun than that. <laughs> I forgot to add though, that on our drive home from that workshop, when we bought that DVD set, I had my laptop and he's driving. I put in the the little DVD in my laptop and hopefully no cops are listening to this. Like we were like literally watching the video and listening to it, taking notes as he's driving, you know, our six hour drive back home. We're like, Oh, I like this one. Okay. Like mark this one down. Oh, I like this one. Okay. Mark this one down. As we were trying to see like, which of these dances do we really like to then like really get to, because we were just so into it. Um, those those are some fun times. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to leave the illegal stuff out of it. Thanks, Gabby. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's like a rite of passage though, because, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking. Who was it at Laografia who played with Mitzis? The guys, the brothers. Oh, are you talking about, uh, Filipinis? Thank you. Woo. That went out. Um, we bought his like six CD set, you know? Um, and I remember crossing the border because, the time I was living about three hours south of Montreal. So we drove and we have that stuff blaring at the border crossing. And I'm like, these border guys are going to be like, you're not coming back. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're not letting you in. But it was like, we were like entranced with this music driving from Montreal back down to like the Albany area. And it was just like, if anybody's watching us, they're probably like, are close enough to hear. Like it was just like permeating through the car and you, everyone's like, you know, we're just like so into it. So it's, it's a rite of passage. Well, it's, you know? it, I went a little too far. And when that happened, I was like, okay, I'm gonna learn how to play the music too. And I was like, I'm going to get a Lita. And I oh literally, God. I and bought a, a really crappy Lita from one person. And then finally talked to a couple uh good sources and bought myself a slightly better Lita. And I'm like sitting there trying to like self-teach myself. Weirdly enough, there's not really videos online of learning how to play the Pontian Lita. And I reached out to like a couple players and tried to set up some like Skype interviews and little like 19 year old, 20 year old Nico's like, Oh, I'm going to 
that player too at FDF and all because of like one weekend. Like that's how Napoleon guy got. I've now got it sitting on my bookshelf on my TV. It's a really great conversation piece. Yeah, uh, no doubt. My it's I never too late. In my China cabinet. It's never no, too now, late, buddy. Now it's a Dawali. Don't get him started in Dawali. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So I didn't learn the the lira, but I have gotten okay on the drums. Let me tell you. Give me a dubet like here a Dawali. I'm okay. Uh, can I play? I'm like, no, we don't need, we don't need it right now. I mean, he's good. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm like, Nico, I don't, I don't need this right now. <laughs> he like needs like a silencer on it or something like, so it's like quiet. We're playing like pop music. Sometimes we can't recording or the recording we have is like way too slow or the, we don't have a recording that is a transition from slow to fast or something like that. So it's impossible to do it until we practice our musicians, but they might not show up till the week before FDF. So it's like, there's just no good way to practice it. So Nico just pull out his handy dandy daoli that musicians from Greece, one of them makes instruments for a living, and he's like, yeah, I make daoli. And I was like, okay, next FDF, make one, bring that to play at FDF and just leave it here. And then you don't have to pay the baggage fees to get back and I'll just buy it from you. And so he handmade me a daoli in Greece and sent me pictures along the way. Let me pick what color, like wood I wanted and everything like that. So I actually have a, a great handmade daoli from Greece from our musician that's performed for us at FDF seven or eight times now. So it's oh, actually really fun. at practice. We're like, oh, we don't have this recording. Nico, it's go time. And I just get to strap up and <laughs> like, like Nick Cannon and John. <laughs> I had a, I had a call him this year. Cause he, um, he was at home. I was like, Nico, I actually need you to come to this practice. And he's like, Oh, Dora, you need me. <laughs> and he's like, I was like, so are you going to come? And I was like, yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I will say I have a, I got a Dolly and, uh, when I was teaching the little kids, especially, I found it just like you said, you know, sometimes with the music or just to help them really hear the beat. Now yeah. caveat to that. It's very hard if you're the only teacher to play as well as yeah. teach. So, you know, having the, that second person, but, uh, but it's definitely something I think if you're interested in, there's no reason you should shy away from it. And then again, it can really help in helping the kids get, uh, you know, learn the beat or whatnot. Now, if you're doing like status or something where eh, <laughs> we have a little bit different situation going on. Yeah. Uh, I just remember the first time we heard the set stuff. We could not for the life of us in high school now figure out what these rhythms and beats were. It's like, what is happening? Yeah. You, you get, yeah. <laughs> no, you're doing some other music though, especially with little kids. Like you said, to find that hard beat every once in a while, there's just some, pro on the dubeleki hitting it so much like the kids can't hear that beat that's underneath it they hear a big a uh, big dialogue just boom 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 like okay you step on those three bums mm-hmm. and you're on and exactly so i've sat behind the seven-year-olds just banging the drum on beat <laughs> watch and just kind of balance every time the drum hits i'm like okay now i'll stop and like they they still can kind of figure it out now so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you start teaching to the bums, not even the one, two, threes. You're like, boom, back, back, boom, back, boom. And they're like, what? I'm like, what? One, two, three, boom, back, back, boom. Yeah. <laughs> we don't count. The beat. <laughs> I love that. I feel like if you didn't watch the opening ceremonies of the Athens Olympics and want to like buy every instrument. <laughs> then, I literally just got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what happened with us. Like, I mean... <laughs> So growing up, Evan and I, we were, and you know, like there were basically four of us, three guys and myself. So you can imagine 
how life was growing up with them. Um, still very close friends, but they like two Cypriots and Stas is probably like, you know, kind of mainland Greece. And you have these Cypriot dudes buying like Zornas online and just wailing on them in the church basement because they have no idea what to do. <laughs> and like, you you know, then they buy a drum. Then they came with like a, a I think it's called like a Saz. It's like a Turkish instrument. It's like a really long, they bought everything. Um, and they're just jamming on this stuff because again, they get so into it. Right. Um, and I joke, I actually bought um, uh, Carpathian Lira, um, from John Themelis. <laughs> oh, nice. So and, like when I met him, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, you sound so familiar. And I was like, did you sell Alita to me off of eBay? Like back in the day? And he was like, oh, was before he did. Yes. Oh, I didn't know I, him. Sorry, Glendy, like convinced him to bring one to the next workshop or something. No. That's his email, his like eBay seller name was like Batmos something. And I was like, oh, he, this must be legit, you know? And it was from a Carpathian guy who lived in Baltimore. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like we're legit, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then when I met him, we hired the band and I was like, golly, you, your name sounds so familiar. And then we put two and two together. I was like, no shit. And I bought, that was probably like 2005. <laughs> Great. So small world, small world. Yeah, no, we're lucky enough too to have Evan Goodson, who lives in Tucson, who's now plays for a lot of groups at FDF, and he he knows four or five instruments like the back of his hand, and it's great because he plays. I mean, Gaida and Caval, and actually the Lida a little bit, and so knowing the drum a little bit, we can kind of have impromptu live music if we really need it for something, and we've like recorded a couple songs to be able to practice with. So having a having good resources is nice, and then. I live with Evan Sagatis now from San Francisco. Now is the director of the Scottsdale Church here in uh, here in Arizona. And between the two of us, our living room has like eleven Greek instruments in it. We can play maybe a twelve of two or three like halfway, but we all. <laughs> so when the musicians come into town, it's nice. I don't even have to bring anything. I'm like, yeah, we got you. But we've got a, a guy, the Caval, Flogira, Dubeleki, two Daulis, and. Uh, Dakare over there just sitting on my uh bookshelf next to my TV. One stop shop. One stop shop. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know if y'all grew up with these stores where you would like like a music store. Our ours was called like Hermes, where you'd go in and like rent your instruments for like high school band. I feel like you basically have one of those stores in your living room, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so this is a question that we kind of like to kind of wrap up with a little bit, um, but, you know, it depends on, on where y'all take this. Um, in thinking about all of your experiences, you, I'm sure, learned a ton through experience or learned a ton just by talking to people. Um, what is your biggest piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is either currently directing, thinking about directing, thinking about going, you know, to competition? Um, what would you tell them? Gabby, yeah, you ready? You want me to go? <laughs> you go for it. I got to think this one through. <laughs> um, I mean, it's going to sound generic, but generic. Um, but really, it's just going to be commit. Um, I mean, really, and and I guess be decisive. Like, really know what you want to do and, and what your goal was. 
Um, if, if you want to be that hardcore teacher, I mean, back it up and do all the research and be so overly prepared and really go for it. Um, but, but really no matter what, just know what you're going for. For me, I mean, it's for the enjoyment of the kids. It's for really trying to enrich them, give them something similar to how I grew up. Um, being lucky enough to grow up like in that Greek household. I mean, Greek dancing, when we were younger, um, like at home <laughs> that a lot of people didn't get to do. Uh, but you're, you're doing it for the kids. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're prepared. There's so many people out there that are so helpful. All the judges, a lot of the musicians, a lot of the really seasoned dance directors out there are all willing to talk, but you have to reach out. You have to try. You have to put in a little bit of that extra time to do it. But the, the resources are there. Uh, don't be scared to reach out. Everyone's so friendly um, and and really just commit to doing it. Don't don't half ass it. Um, get get your research. If you can't find research, ask someone. Be organized. Get the music. Come in. Be ready. Really give these kids what they deserve. If these parents are going to be leaving work early to get their kids a dance practice, make sure you're ready for them. Really give them something worth doing it. Make it fun. Make it something they don't dread coming to. And then it's going to make them want to come back. It's going to make them want to try. It's going to make them want to dance harder. And then in all reality, it's going to make them want to come back and teach this the next group of kids when they turn 20, 21 years old. So like really, really just if you're going to do it, do it. Give them something that like makes them want to come back is, is probably my thoughts on it. Yeah, I'd have to actually piggyback on that. I feel like staying connected is such a big one. Like you as the instructor need to be attending workshops, conferences, festivals, like everything you can. And then staying connected in the sense of like networking with other instructors. I mean, when you're at one of these, drop the cool card and go say hi to someone that you don't know, right? Like you don't have to stay really, really quiet and and learn from them and exchange phone numbers and don't be afraid because what's the worst that they're going to say? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Now there's another door to go knock on. So I'd say like staying connected is one of them, but also like embracing not only the passion that you have for it, but also that the kids have for it. If you're going into it and you are wanting to put on, right? Like, I don't know, let's just throw in, you're doing something from floating now, right? And the kids are just not loving it. Read the room, read the room on what the kids want to do, because it's more than just like, yes, partially it's what you're passionate about, right? Like Nico loves his bondiaca. I love my Cretan. But if our kids don't like that, when we're instructing them, read the room and switch it to something else. I think that's something that we do very well in our program, um, is we'll play a couple different areas that we think the kids would do good at and ask them like, what do you like? I mean, one year, I don't know, Nico, was it like three or four years ago? We were like mid teaching them one round. And then I think a month in, like you could just tell they weren't really in it, even though they originally liked it. And we're like, do you guys want to try something else? And we showed them some more videos and we ended up changing our round. And you could just see it and how the kids were dancing it, whether that be performing it at FDF, HDF at a competition or performing it at a festival. It's more than just that. Like you, the kids need to be involved in it. It's like, it's a passion, right? Like you said, like you're committing so many hours to this art form and you got to make sure that they're enjoying it as well. And not just like dragging a Greek dance being like, great, I got to do another what's that. I got to do another susta. Like, I don't like this stuff. Um, now for granted, I mean, the kids are going to like a, a plethora of different things. So you got to like find like a, a happy medium over something you also know, but mm-hmm. maybe if you don't know it enough, 
that's where you're going to use that connection we talked about and find someone who does. I mean, Nico, Facebook messaging, vibering, WhatsApping, like all those, there's so many things now. It's so much easier nowadays to get mm-hmm. that information than, than it was back in the day. So utilize it. Yeah. Uh, and then just like you do it for the kids. End of the day, if you're an instructor, it's past like your own thing. It's all for the kids. Like get that with, yeah, right. They're the ones that are going to continue it. They're the ones that are going to get excited about it. And that's what really builds what you have. I don't think we would be doing what we're doing if, if our focus wasn't for the kids. Mm-hmm. And just to piggyback one quick thing that Gabby said, what's the worst you're going to say is no, I've been the one vibrating and calling the random Greek people on the other side of the world. And I don't think I've ever really heard anyone say no before. So if anyone is actually listening to this for advice, I don't know how much our word means, but uh, just go for it. They, they will probably help. Um, I've reached out to everybody from musicians to I've gotten like a friends of friends of friends contact and phone. I want to do this one kind of obscure village and, called someone I knew and they said, man, I don't really know that village, but call my friend so-and-so. He Mm -hmm. literally in that village and I blindly cold called this random 80-year-old man in the small village of Thrace said, hey, I'm a 24-year-old in America from Phoenix (laughs) trying to teach my kids your dances and I can't figure out this or I need a song or I need this or I need that or I need to know what differentiates it. And this poor guy like got his nephew to help him like record something and email it to me. Um, and then even just in America, there's so many amazing resources. I mean, we just have Anik see you that um, obviously they brought in Aristula um, to teach the island dances. And, and we had. Um, Angelo uh, Nicolaitis. Yeah, Kiro Aguilo doing the Thracian dances. Thank you, Nico. Uh, but you have people there like all of the Endesi where Dimitri, um, yeah, Dimitri and <laughs> Dimitri, Dimitri. I couldn't decide who I wanted to talk to about. Obviously, <laughs> so much plays so many instruments. You got Sarando, obviously, who's a huge uh, influence and a huge resource. You had Jordan, who was there. Um, who knows a lot. I mean, I, I was looking through your big list of podcasts to see if I'd like seen them all or heard them all. And Yvonne out of Seattle, I went up there for work and called her out of the blue. Hey, I'm from Phoenix. Why don't I learn some Greek dances? Took off for a cheeseburger and learned about Cetus. That's uh, so cute. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> funny, but yeah, I mean, we met Sarando going to Anixi in 2015. Just, and then for the last eight years, I text him anytime I need help. And he's always willing to help so our, our musician want to help like i don't think anyone's ever said no <laughs> so just I will. be too cool don't be too proud if you need help ask for it absolutely i also think though like right we're talking so much about like the instructing side of it but like for those that are listening um if you're in a community that like you don't know anybody like go to the church and see if they have a dance program i mean it's you don't know how to greek dance and you're 22 years old cool come and join i mean we've had we've had dancers come into our program at a, a young adult age, having never danced before other than a calamatiano. And like you sit there and you, and you do it and you, and you get them excited about it, regardless of the age. Like you don't have to have started at four or five years old. Like some mm-hmm. of us got to, you can come at 25, 30 and even just do, I mean, I think we've done actually like some private stuff with a couple of people before where they want to learn the Greek dances for a wedding, mm-hmm. or just like, I just want to know how to do this for the festival. Like what are the top five festival dances. Can you teach me? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more than just the instructing part. It's also about just, if you're interested in Greek dance, go for it, take the leap. It's mm-hmm. you're not going to get steered down a wrong path. Mm-hmm. 
and you're never too old to learn or too young, honestly, in all fairness, you'll be creating around vodka. So yellow, like we did (laughs) and you just then have a little song stuck in your head by the Zuzunakia and it's Mm -hmm. in my head right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're never too old and you're never too young, regardless of where you are at in life or where you are in the world. I mean, I think the one nice thing that I think I started noticing more and more um, specifically due to COVID was how many people were online Greek Greek dance teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did some virtual um, camps where I taught Greek dance and it was just so neat to see people that, okay, like, well, we can't all get together now. So what are we going to do? Let's do this virtually. I actually have taken some classes from, um, they're called like, like that could just increase and they do some different stuff and I'll like watch some of their videos. And like, I've taken one of their classes before, mm-hmm. uh, virtually. So if there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be afraid to take that leap. Yeah. I echo that. I think that's so important. And I love that you said like, drop the cool card, like yeah. just be a, be a human, be a human. And you know, you're no one's you're not too cool for this or you're not, you know, whatever, just, just ask. I, I really think, cause we started the podcast during the pandemic and it was literally cold calling people, same thing, like messaging people, you know? Um, and, and rarely you're exactly right. Two people say, no, they might take a little time to warm up to you. Cause they're like, who is this strange person? But I mean, if you don't ever ask for it or do it, you're never going to make that, that connection. And sometimes, you know, those small connections lead into just the most flourishing type of thing. So I, I think that's that. also been the nice thing about your guys's podcast. Like as Nico said, scrolling through and kind of looking through seeing the different names and then like listening to some people that maybe I don't know. And then that's then there's like that networking portion mm-hmm. right there. Of, oh, okay. This person, they talked about dancing and doing dances from here. Great. Let me now contact them and chat with them a little bit or hearing like some of their stories on how they got started. I mean, that alone was just really awesome to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's been awesome. Um, it's been really cool. Even people that we know to learn so much more about them, you Mm -hmm. know? So yay guys, this was great. Thank you guys. Yeah. This is fantastic. You aced it. You were so worried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It just, yeah. Naturally takes a road of its own sometimes. Right. Probably had a conversation similar to this with someone else at ONC two weeks ago. This one's just recorded. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, yeah, you guys got the you guys got the rehearsal out the way. Yeah. So, what time are we going? What time are we going to the Glendy? Is it a eight p.m. nine p.m.? When are, when are we doing this? <laughs> When's the next meetup? <laughs> right. Oh, needs to be more of them. That's for sure.